My name is Pastor Alex. For those who don't know me, I'm married to Grace, my beautiful wife. Uh, we've been married for two years. I have the best in-laws in the entire world. They're actually sitting in here. So Christmas is coming up. Make sure I get a good little compliment in. But um, I'm the next-gen pastor here at Emmaus, and uh, we oversee all of the next-gen ministries, and that's why youth and young adults and kids are so important to me because I believe that they carry just something different about them that they will transition into into their teens and adults. And I think in that moment, they're very vulnerable with their faith. Amen? So we oversee that, and uh, we got some exciting stuff coming up in the new year with that. But um, along with that, me and my wife travel around speaking to churches and schools and different things. And There's no place like preaching at Emmaus. No matter what church I go to, no matter where I go, no matter what school I speak in, there's just something about just sitting back at home. You know what I mean? Amen. Well, I'm excited tonight because I get to follow my pastor as he preached a phenomenal message last week on Advent Part 1. How many were here for that? And we learned about? Okay. I'm going to say, some of y'all raised your hands and then y'all ain't answer. So we're going to have to look at the notes on the Emmaus app. So we talked about? Hope. We talked about how sometimes hope can be deferred in the season. And we talked about the prophet's candle. And sometimes even though we lose hope in the holiday season, we have an ultimate hope as believers. And it's not in anything that we can find, but it's in a person. That's the part we should get excited about. We have a hope in a person who's still in heaven, who's reigning, whose name is Jesus. And with that, we learn that we have a God that loved us so much that even when we messed up the relationship with him, he sent down his only son to live, die, be crucified, and resurrect, all because of his love for us. As Christians, that should be the best news we've ever heard. No, no matter how long we've been Christians, the fact that Jesus came to earth is the most simplistic yet deepest form of love. And we should get excited about that the most. But part of that hope is also found in the fact that if Jesus said he was coming for the first time and he did, then we have a hope that when he says he's coming back the second time that he actually is. But tonight I want to talk to you about Advent Part 2, the Bethlehem candle. Tonight we're going to talk about faith. Everybody say faith. Everybody say faith. I love it. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for tonight. And God, we just ask, Holy Spirit, that you come in this place. No matter the agenda, no matter the assignment, God, you reign over this house. And God, we follow your order. God, we follow your will. We follow your spirit. So God, whatever you want to say tonight, it's yours. God, I pray that us as Emmaus would get out of the way of what you want to say and what you want to do. God, I pray our hearts would be open, our minds would be open as well to hear the word. Because we know that the word brings life change, Father. So, God, tonight we pray for transparency, we pray for authenticity, and, God, we pray for life change. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. 
I'm going to take this coat off. Is that cool? Since I'm at home, I'm going to relax a little bit. And uh, shameless plug for our new Emmaus merch. Got me a new Emmaus shirt. Come on, somebody. Anyway. You know, as I was thinking about the holiday season, I was thinking about how many Christmases me and my wife have had and, you know, whose house do we go to first and all these different things. And I thought about the time where we were dating and we would, you know, you get the, the jitters when you go to the in-law's house for the first time. You're still dating and they give you the evil eye because you're the new guy there, right? Y'all ain't never been there? Are y'all awake? Y'all awake tonight? Y'all going to leave me up here hanging? I don't think they're awake. I don't think they're awake, Pastor Delva. I don't know what I'm going to do. Y'all ain't never been there? Okay, okay, okay. But I was thinking about the holiday season, and I was thinking about all these different Christmas memories. And then I got to thinking about the time that we got engaged, right? And how many know that sometimes there can be a hallmark story experience, you know what I'm talking about? Like when the engagement goes everything right and everything goes to plan and there's, you know, Jesus in the clouds and there's rainbows and sunshines and butterflies and the guy got a big old dime. I mean, it's just, it's just perfect. And then you got some that don't go too well. Right? Okay. Mine didn't go terribly bad because she said yes and she's my wife of two years. Amen? Y'all better clap. Come on now. Y'all going to get me in trouble. But I was thinking about the time when we got engaged, and um, I was in uh, Nashville for a week, and um, I had ordered the ring online. I custom designed it, and um, when I ordered it, I had never spent that much money at one time before, so I lost my breath, and I broke out into a cold sweat. And uh, I may know what I'm talking about. You just, yep, exactly. <laughs> Somebody said that with confidence. Yeah, yes, still still affecting from it. But anyway, so I remember I remember that moment when I bought the ring and I was so excited and I was nervous and just thinking about what I was going to say and how much I was going to tell her I loved her and all these different things. So what I ended up doing and me being the type one personality that I am, I wanted to make it a hallmark moment, right? My engagement is going to go perfect. So I thought. So I went to this place, and we had, um, I was living in Winchester at the time, and uh, there was a, a place called the Museum of the Shenandoah Valley, and it had an art museum there, art gallery, and then they had seven different oriental gardens all the way through, so they had an Italian garden, a Chinese garden, stuff from England, they had Roman columns, so I'm like, yep, I'm that guy, I'm going to make sure it's on point. Right? So I order the ring, and I take a trip to Nashville that week, and I, was, I planned it to get in the Friday. I was proposing on Saturday. So I had a great time in Nashville, and the Lord moved. I was on some speaking stuff there and working with students. and Great, great week. Until Friday. So Friday rolls along, and um, I, I thought, you know, if the ring's supposed to get in, let me just go ahead and check to see if it's there, right? That would be a sensible thing to do, right? 
So I go and I, I check and I see an email from uh, FedEx. And uh, I was living with my boss at the time, who was my pastor, and um, his wife was going to be there answering the door. And I get an email that says, no one was home. We had to take your ring back to the shop. Pastor Telvin, I've been saved a long time. (laughs) But that moment almost made me really lose it. You know what I mean? So I'm like, okay, I'm frantic. I'm on the road. I'm in a car on the highway heading back from Nashville. And all I can do is just wait. So I'm on the phone with FedEx, and I'm like, hey, hey, y'all got to send the ring back. It's happening tomorrow. I'm not getting a ring pop. Like, I just paid money on this. You're going to have to get it there, right? That's just how it's going to happen. You're going to have to get there. They said, okay, Mr. Bridger, this is what we'll do. We will take it back to the house and see if someone will sign for it. Cool. So I'll call my pastor's wife. She's upstairs with the four kids. Surely someone would have heard the doorbell. I got a second email that said, Mr. Bridger, I'm sorry, but no one was there to sign for the ring. So we have to take it back to the shop. And I'm on my way back from Tennessee. And I'm such a nice guy and mild-mannered, so I, I wasn't going to lose my salvation, right? After the second time, there's no way, right? So I get on the phone, and I'm like, listen, I don't care what you got to do. Just stand somebody by the front door. Just please, I'm begging you, right? So what ends up happening, I call FedEx again, and uh, I say, hey, hey, I, I hate to come to you a second time, but... Um, I really, really need that ring, and I really, really, really need it at the door. And I was like, I don't care if you drop it off there. I'm on my way back. I don't care. Just please leave the ring. And they said, Mr. Bridger, can't do that. Okay. So I'm thinking, and I'm trying to think of something clever, and, and uh, they tell me right before I hang up, they say, oh, by the way, if we come a third time, and no one answers, we have to send it back to the ring manufacturer in New York. You talk about sweating. I was nervous, real nervous. So I call the house again, and I'm like, please, I don't care what you do. Leave the door open. Leave a window open. I don't care. Just throw the ring inside, please. I'm begging you, right? And they take the ring back a third time, and I get no response from anyone. I have four hours left on my trip. I'm proposing tomorrow, and I have no idea if the ring's waiting on me. You imagine how I was in the car at that moment? Y'all ever had to wait on something before? So over the next four hours, all I could do was check my email, call FedEx, Check my email, call FedEx, nothing. Three hours left. So I decided to play a phone on my, uh, game on my phone just to pass by time. You know what I'm talking about? You're in that waiting moment where you don't know what's going to happen at the end. So it, eventually I get to the house, and I go upstairs, and I'm greeted by four little girls. 
They say, Uncle Alex, your ring's here. I was like, thank you, Jesus, thank you. And luckily, the next day, I asked her to marry me, and she said yes. So, But the reason why I say that and the reason I tell that story is that sometimes in life, we can get caught between ordering the ring and actually getting it. Sometimes we can get caught in the process of the gap. Like I was in the car in Tennessee, there was nothing I could do to hurry up the promise of the ring, or there's nothing I could do to change them sending it from FedEx. All I could do was wait. And I think sometimes, a lot of times in life, we get caught in a gap of waiting. Let's make it really practical for a minute. Maybe, what about a husband? And God said, you know what? I promised you that guy that you know what? He's going to be faithful. He's going to love you. He's going to be a man of God. And you still wait. Or what about a job? You, God, you said I prayed and I fasted. And you know what? You said I was going to, but I'm still stuck in my situation. Or God, you promised me that house that I was going to have, and I'm still stuck here, waiting. Or God, you know, I've prayed and I've fasted for a child, and I have desperately wanted one, and you said I could have one. And everything keeps coming back negative. Maybe it's your kid coming to Jesus. Maybe it's going to college. Maybe it's starting a business. We all have promises of things in our lives that we feel like God has said. But sometimes in the process of waiting, we lose faith. So tonight, if we can, I want to talk transparently and use a Christmas story, an untraditional Christmas story, and talk about that. Can we do that for a few minutes? So Luke chapter 2. If you got your Bible, wave it at me. If you don't, you can download the Emmaus app. There's one on there. Luke chapter 2, verse 22. If you're there, say amen. Man, y'all fast. Luke 2, 22. And it says this. And when the time came for the purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was what? And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him according to the customs of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. 
For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sore will pierce through your own soul also. So that it's so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess named who? Anna. The daughter of Phanel and the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in her years, having lived with her husband seven years, and from when she was a virgin and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping and fasting and prayer day and night. And coming at the very hour, she began to give thanks to God and speak of him with all who were what? Waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Merry Christmas. Not necessarily the Christmas story, but it has a lot to do with Christmas. So here we find in the context of Luke, right on the tail end of Jesus' birth, you have a moment where Mary and Joseph are taking Jesus to the temple to perform a baby dedication. Right? So on their journey there, they run across two characters. And if we were to look at the, the Christmas story like a movie, you have your main characters. You have Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. And then you run across two people who, after the movie kind of plays, their name isn't in the first credits as you're leaving the, the movie theater. They're kind of in the bottom. These are the kind of two people in the back that when you think of the Christmas story, you don't think of the prophetess Anna. Right? But she has a lot to teach us about faith in this moment. So we run across them, and it says that Simeon and Anna were very old in their age, and Simeon had went through, and it said that he was led by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and he was a very devout and righteous man. And it said in the moment, the Holy Spirit called him to the temple, and he went. And then they cross paths with Anna, and Anna is there, and she was uh, married around the age of 14. And she said, it says in the scriptures that she was married only about seven years, and that she was widowed for about 84. So some scholars believe that she was widowed until the age of 84, or that she was widowed for 84 years, which means she would have been 105. So now you have Simeon, who is an old man, and you have Anna, who is a lady up in her age, and they see Jesus. And it says here in the scriptures that Simeon was promised by God that he would see the Messiah. So all of people would have been waiting for the Messiah in this moment. Everyone around Israel would have been waiting for the coming king, right? They would have been waiting for him at some moment, and he gets prompted by the Holy Spirit, and he's there. Anna's there because she does not depart from the temple. She's worshiping. 
And, you know, they wouldn't have had Facebook and Instagram back then, so they wouldn't have necessarily, necessarily known about the birth of Jesus to the Holy Spirit prompted him. But we find that in the, the moments of Simeon and Anna's life and their age, that they had a promise to see the Messiah. Simeon was promised that he would not die until the Messiah came. Anna knew the Messiah was coming, so she had a promise of, okay, I know the Messiah is coming. I'm going to stay in the temple. So we find them here. And we find a lot to do with them in the sense of faith because a lot of their life they stayed in the waiting gap. Simeon was old in his age. And it doesn't say when Simeon was promised that he would see the Messiah, but imagine how long it actually took for him to go see him. Imagine Anna in that moment. She knew the Messiah was coming, and she got widowed at the age of 21. And she would have been widowed for 84 years, so she devoured herself Waiting for the arrival of the Messiah, and it took how many years? 84. She waited for 84 years. And what I want to talk to you tonight is like Simeon Anna, how do we continue in the lineage of faith when we're in the waiting process? How do we, even in a moment, if we have to wait 84 years for the promise to come through, how do we keep the faith? Anybody with me? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody feel like you have a promise from God that you've been waiting on your entire life? And you do not know how to keep the faith. So I want to give you four points tonight. I'm going to keep it short. But first, before we talk about those, I want to define faith. Can we do that? So faith is this. Faith is the cornerstone of our Christian faith. It's the thing that pleases God, and we know that we come to it by hearing the word. So it is a complete trust or confidence in something or someone. But often in the waiting, often in times, our faith gets tried, tried with patience, tried with doubt, tried with fear. We often lose our faith. So point number one is this. To keep your faith in the waiting season for the promise, you have to be led by the Holy Spirit. I'll say that again. You have to be led by the Holy Spirit. Notice what it says about Simeon. Ready? He was a righteous man, devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. Who was that? The promise. And it says this, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. When I read that, I don't think that God was forceful with the Holy Spirit upon Simeon. I think Simeon had to make a daily choice in his devotion. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And sometimes in the waiting seasons of life, we have to daily choose which side we're going to pick. 
to be led by the Holy Spirit or to be led by ourselves? Y'all going to help me out tonight? See, Simeon had a choice each and every day whether he was going to follow God's path in the waiting or not, regardless of his doubt. I wonder how many times Simeon woke up with doubt that he was going to die before he saw the promise. And here's what I kind of want to debunk a myth tonight if I can. See, sometimes we think that the opposite of faith is doubt, and it's not. The opposite of faith is fear. But see, the doubt is the engine that helps faith prove itself. And I think so many times us as Christians, we live in the waiting season, and we feel like we have to have 100% faith before God moves in the waiting season. And that's not the case. Your doubt will produce the promise in your life. Wow. Wow. It's sometimes like this as we wake up every day. This is halfway to the point, and we have faith on this side, we have fear on this side. And sometimes we teeter, don't we? Think about the promise that God made you. How many times do we go back and forth on it? God, I don't, I don't, there's no way you're coming through. There's no way I'm going to see the promise. God, I believe you today, but I I know you're going to do it. God, I just don't think, look at the circumstance around me, God. I don't think that's right. But let me tell you this. Your doubt does not disqualify your faith. Even if you're standing in the middle and you're at 51% faith, God can still work. Y'all hear me tonight? Think about that thing that you've been promised. If Even if you're at 52% faith, as long as fear is not in the lead, God's going to work in your life. Even if you're at 53% and you have so much other doubt in your life that you don't think God's going to do it, even at 53%, the promise can still come into your life. But how many times in the Christian church have we heard, you need to change your faith? You need to raise your faith. You don't have enough faith. Even at 51%, God can still move. Everybody with me? So the first thing is this, is you have to be led by the Holy Spirit. In the process of the waiting with Simeon, who told him to go to the temple? If he would have not had a daily devotion with God, he would have never seen the promise of the Messiah. If we try to do things our way and we lead our own way, there will be times when we get so distracted that we may miss out on the promise God has for us. Point number two is this, is you have to be prepared in the waiting season. Everybody say, be prepared. prepared. In the waiting like Anna, 
She allowed the preparation of the promise to form her. See, if you know anything about Anna, which we just described, she would have been a widow until she was 84 or for 84 years. How many know that's a very tragic moment? How many of you have had tragedy, tragedy in your life? I know I have. At 21 years of age, what if she would have let tragedy dictate the promise she had on her life? She could have easily said, God, I'm done. I don't want nothing to do. I'm just going to sit here and whine and complain. Or she could have done this. She could have worked so hard to get to the promise that it would have null and voided it, that God actually moved. See, here's the thing with preparation. God doesn't need your work. He just needs you to be. So what does it say? It says she devoted herself to the temple with fasting and prayer every day. What was she doing? She was getting prepared for when the promise came. How many of us in our situation where we're looking for that next job, we're looking for a house, we're looking for finances, and we're doing nothing to prepare ourselves and just being with God? How many of us are just sitting back and we're saying, all right, God, you promised it to me. I'm waiting. God, I want that new house. You told me it was mine, but you ain't changed your spending habits. Y'all don't want me to go there. God, you told me I could have a man in my dreams, but you ain't even doing your own devos. Y'all ain't hearing me. Y'all want, we ain't going to mess with that tonight. We ain't going to mess with that. We ain't, let me stop, let me stop. Anna every day chose to go into the temple, and she prepared herself. What are we doing in the moments of the waiting to prepare ourselves for the promise? That's what builds faith. If you stay dormant right in the middle between fear and faith and you don't prepare yourself for the promise that way, you'll stay dormant here your entire life. And you'll miss the promise that God has. And Anna, you can see, and we'll get to her in a minute later on, but you can see by her response that there was something about her walking through the journey of just being with God instead of quitting that shaped her worldview of the promise. See, there's something about just being with the Lord that changes your perspective on what you're walking through. There's something about just sitting at Dad's feet that changes the way our mindset works. There's something about just sitting with Dad when you're around him enough, you start to act like him and you move like him, you speak like him, and you get peace like him. How many of us are caught up in situations in the waiting that we're so caught up with anxiety that we're looking for peace and we won't have it because we're not just being? So point number two is this, be prepared. Point number three is this, everybody say be Watchful. If God's promised you something and you're not watching for it, how are you going to know when it comes? Let me break it down a little bit further. Simeon was in the temple. 
because the Holy Spirit prompted him to go. So he was there, and he runs across a young man and a young lady, and they're carrying a baby. And he was promised that he would see the Messiah. I don't know if he would have thought that that would have been the Messiah by the looks of it. Do you know what I mean? Let me break it down practically. Some of us have been promised that we're going to break the chains of financial struggle on our family. That we're going to be well endowed. But God sends you a promise of, you know what, we're going to get there, but I'm going to give you a minimum wage job in the moment. And we don't recognize it because we're not watching for it. What if your promise doesn't come the way you thought it would? He would have been in that moment, and he would have been so watchful because he was so in tune with the Spirit that at that moment when he laid eyes on that baby, it says here that he was waiting for the Messiah, and he even mentions this is the Messiah. This is him. The mighty king, the mighty warrior, the one that's going to rule forever in the form of a baby. And it would have not been necessarily what he thought it would, might have been. So in your walk with, in the waiting seasons and you're, you're growing in your faith, are we being watchful enough like Simeon that if it does not come like we thought it did, would we miss the, t- the promise completely? Y'all still with me tonight? And the last point is this, is be thankful. I've run across so many Christians in the waiting season for a promise to come through that they're just mean. They're just bitter. Well, I thought God was going to do this for me at one point in my life, but he ain't never. Wow. It says Anna didn't get the promise till she was 84. And I wonder how many of us shortchange our attitude of gratitude just because we live in a society where we're inconvenienced by waiting to the point where we become bitter that God hasn't moved fast enough. When Anna finally seen the Messiah, listen to what she says. It says, she did not depart from the temple worshiping with in prayer day and night, and coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to who all were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. It says right here, when the promise came, what did she do? She gave thanks. It says she gave thanks to God to speak to him all who were waiting. How many times in our lives we're in the waiting seasons and we don't praise in the middle of the waiting? And if your posture is not prayer, or your posture is not praise in the middle of the waiting, your posture won't be praised when he actually comes. It's like if I had a, a, a bottle of water or a cup of coffee up here with me and someone bumped into me while I had this cup of coffee in my hand. Right? 
It's not the circumstance of that person bumping into me that comes out. What comes out is what's ever in the coffee cup. The same way with our lives in the waiting. It's not the circumstances that happen in the waiting that everyone sees. It's what's already inside of your cup. It's already inside of you that comes out in the middle of the waiting that everyone sees. If Anna would have seen her promise and she wouldn't have gave thanks to God, how many people around her in the temple would have seen that? How has, what, what was her testimony be then? And for us, when we're in the middle of the waiting, when the promise actually comes, we need to thank God like never before because we made it through the waiting season. And not only give thanks, but actually go tell everyone else we know that our God is faithful and he came through. Just like Anna did. So when it comes to the waiting season in our lives, we first need to be led by the Holy Spirit. We need to be prepared and allow the preparation of the promise to form you. We also need to be watchful. The promise may not show up how we planned it to. And three is be, or four is be thankful. In the waiting, when the promise comes, give praise and tell everyone about God's faithfulness. And tonight, I, I don't know if this sermon helped, but here's what I do know. Either you're getting ready to, you currently are, or you just walked through a season of waiting. Maybe you have been waiting for the promise of God on your life for so long that you have lost hope. Maybe for so long you've been waiting on God to come through and you are slowly not being led by the Holy Spirit any longer. Or you're not being prepared like we should. Or we're not being watchful for that thing. Or we're not being thankful for when it actually comes. I don't know where you're at in your life, but I do know this. We're all in waiting seasons. I know I am. I'm in waiting seasons of my life, and this message convicts me because I don't know if I often follow these rules. And for all of us in these situations, faith is available in the waiting. Faith is available in the waiting. You hear me? Faith is available in your waiting. You just got to hold firm just a little bit longer. So if you